0: it's time for the alien conspiracy podcast
1: we are your hosts agent eta and agent anderson come along as we examine ufo sightings conspiracies and all things strange you can follow the show on twitter at alienconpod we also have an email address alienconpod at protonmail.com we would love to hear from you and don't forget to check us out on discord where you can interact with the hosts and listen to live shows this week's episode marilyn monroe conspiracies All right, before we get started, got a couple of things to mention, announcements, whatever, whichever. First of all, we've started a YouTube channel with the very appreciated help of Diamond, who is listening live as we speak. Thanks, Diamond. Diamond volunteered to edit some videos for us. He wants to put on, you know, when we talk about certain things, like he just did the Nazca lines, and he put like pictures and stuff as we were discussing particular or specific, you know, like the the lines themselves, like particular, uh, particular uh, petroglyphs, I think that's the word, <laughs> um, like you'll he, edit those pictures into the, the feed. It's, you know, it's mostly just the logo because we didn't do any video for those episodes, but we're starting with that. And then um, at some point in the near future, I hope to start doing some video content. I have some stuff planned that I want to do here very shortly. And then eventually we'll do the regular show live. I hope we'll see if we can get it to work, but huge shout out to diamond and thank you so much for editing that video stuff more to come soon on YouTube. And also we have started a Patreon. So if anybody wants to help support the show on Patreon, they can do so. We've got three tiers so far. The, uh, the first tier at $3 gets you, uh, the ad free show, which um, I should put more ads on the show first before advertising that because we have very little ads right now, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it, I'll, I'll st- I still cut them out. I still cut out the ads you know the the you know 15 seconds or so of ads <laughs> that we do have um for that tier and also early access and then the five dollar tier is gonna be bonus content which will range from you know er- from outtakes or stuff I cut from the show I'll post in like shorter clips. I actually have one of those ready to go. And then there's lots more I could do going through back episodes because I have all the original source material. I just have to dig it out and, you know, post it basically not that big of a deal. And then also bonus materials like we just did an MMA show with Agent ETA and I just kind of bullshitting about various, you know, MMA topics. And um, I got some other stuff planned for bonus materials, So we'll see how that goes. And it's basically for uh, whatever you guys want. If you like it, what we're doing, let us know. If you don't, let us know what you want and we will change it. And then we have a $10 tier, which is uh, you get to vote on the next show's topic. So I'm going to put up like, you know, uh, several things, maybe four things to choose from and everybody gets to vote and whichever wins, that's what we will do for the next show. So that's another one that we're going to do. A lot of shows have higher tiers even than $10, but I couldn't think of anything to justify like a higher price tag than that. So if you guys want us to do a higher tier, let us know what you'd want for that tier. Otherwise, we'll just keep it where it is. And if you have any suggestions to change it up, what do you want out of this Patreon? Because it's, you know, to support the show, but it's also for you guys. So tell us what you want And we will do our best to make that happen. So, all right. Now that that's out of the way, let's get to the show. Marilyn Monroe conspiracies. Are you familiar with this topic? Agent ETA.
0: Yeah, I've heard about it. Uh, I remember hearing about it first, like on, uh, I think it maybe was like the History Channel when I was really young or something like that, you know? I'm not really familiar with all her movies. I, I know I've seen one or two when I was younger, just for like for, I was watching just because I wanted to watch some like old movies, you know? some Every once in a while, I'll get into kind of trying to explore like older movies and stuff. Cause for the most part, I really haven't watched too many older movies and not, not from that era, you know? And so I, I seen a couple of them. I think one of them was the, um, what is that? The seven year itch, I think is like one of her most popular ones. Or, I yeah. Think. But I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't remember a whole lot from it, you know, because as I watched it so long ago, but I am obviously very uh, familiar with how p- um, popular and how big of a, a symbol she was in her era and her time. And even after she died, well, after even to this day, there's a lot of people that are, are still big fans of hers. You know, she made a huge impact in the time that she was doing what she was, you know, making films and such, you know? And, yeah. I mean, in fact, basically, I mean, she obviously she was she was a sex symbol for her era, you know. Yeah,
1: well, in in fact, that you mentioned that she's still popular today, I actually got the idea for this show from the woman who cuts my hair. Shout out to, well, you know who you are. I don't know if she wants to be actually shouted out on the the show or not. Some people may not want to be mentioned mm-hmm. on this sort of a show, but you know who you are in uh, Santa Rosa, the woman who cuts my hair I was actually talking about Marilyn Monroe, and she gave me the idea for this episode, mm-hmm. and I thought. That's actually a good topic. I remember hearing about that. I would like to do it. So shout out to the wonderful person who cuts my hair, does an excellent job. I appreciate your work. And that's why I keep coming back. And thank you for the show topic idea. That's where I got it from. But yeah, no, totally. Like there's tons of movies and I watched some clips leading up to this episode. And like, it's easy to understand why she was just so popular because it wasn't just the looks, obviously she was gorgeous, but she was very charismatic, you know, like there's this yeah. anecdote where, I don't know if this is true, but like there's this is an anecdote where she was sitting in a cafe, like in disguise with one of her friends, you know, and like nobody recognized her and the, her friend was kind of like, how come nobody recognizes you? And then she like took off her sunglasses and like put her hair out or whatever. And is, and like people without her even saying anything, people just like sort of turned around as if the sun has just started shining, you know, (laughs) and you can see that in her performance is like, she's just, she was just so just charismatic. It's just one of these really special people that just somehow, you know, lights up the room. Like if you're in a room with 150 Mm -hmm. people, that's the one everybody notices, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. But I don't know if that anecdote is true or not. And I may have been messed it up a little bit, but uh, I believe it. (laughs) You know, after well, a while, you know? I, I've met,
0: I've met people like that before. I mean, not, yeah. not, not to that level, you know what I mean? But like, there are certain people you'll meet throughout your life. You're like, damn, I just want, I, I want to like this person. You know, I, I can't put my finger on it, but they have charisma. Like you said, like they, they just exude it. You know I mean? So, I mean, I, I, I would, uh, believe that I think, I think it's probably true because, uh, you know, she obviously was, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, Stories about her lighting up a room and and such, you know, when you hear people talk about her just in general, people that knew her, um, they would talk about that. You know, that's that's one of the common things that people would mention, people that actually knew her, you know. So I think it's probably true, you know. I mean, she obviously had something going on besides just beauty. She was talented, too. I mean, she was a good actress, you know. Yeah. So, I mean.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there's lots of good-looking people out there, but they don't all end up in movies. So there's, you know, she had a little something extra besides just her looks going for her. But all right, let's get yeah. into some specifics of her story. So her actual name was she was born Norma Jean and sometimes Norma Jean Baker, because I think there was like, um you know, her mother married a dude with the last name of Baker. But uh, we won't go into all that different stuff. But anyways, Norma Jean, a.k.a. Marilyn Monroe, was born in 1926, and she died at a very young age of 36 in 1962. She was probably like the biggest sex symbol ever, like ever ever out of anybody, uh known as the mm-hmm. blonde bombshell, and she was so sexy that we still know about her today. There's a lot of her contemporaries who were, you know, arguably just as good-looking, maybe even more so, but we don't know any of their names, but we know her name, and there's a reason for that. During her career, her films grossed $200 million, which would be about $2 billion in today's money. That is a, that's r- a lot. ridiculous amount of money. And like like this is back in the day too, like $200 million. I don't know what they were charging for tickets bas- back then, but it was probably like a nickel or something. So that's like, uh-huh. like pretty much everybody on the planet saw <laughs> saw her movies, you know, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. She was unbelievably popular. So as a young person, she married at the age of 16 to a guy named James Doherty. And apparently she seemed to do this to go to avoid going back to an orphanage. So her young childhood, uh, her childhood was very rough. She was bounced. She bounced between various foster care houses and her mom at her mom was very young and at one point was admitted to a hospital with like schizophrenia, you know, like she was, uh, unable to function. So, I mm. mean, you could just imagine having a parent like that and being bounced between foster houses and some of the foster homes seem to be okay, but there are reports where she was actually molested at some of them. And I'm sure it was the same back then as it is now. But nowadays, like I've known several people who went through the foster care system and it's basically like an all you can eat buffet for perverts. Like they can, they basically molest kids and there's very, very seldom is anything ever done about it because nobody cares about these kids. But uh, probably she grew up being molested off and on, which is, is kind of Mm -hmm. depressing. And I, I'm sorry to start the episode off on that, but I think it's important to set You know, the basis as to, you know, where she's coming from and her character and, you know, some of the stuff she overcame to become as as famous and successful as she was. She was really climbing an uphill battle there. I mean, most of us don't have that sort of adversity to, to deal with, and we don't come, you know, become anywhere near as successful, you know? Yeah. But she married very young, and she became a housewife, and they actually lived on Catalina Island, and her husband was posted to the South Pacific in 1944, as you know, pretty much every able-bodied young man was at the time. It, not in the South Pacific, but you know, if you look at World War II, like pretty much every guy in the country, <laughs> every guy in the country was sent to war. Just about is, yeah. uh, you know, we could do a whole other episode on that. It is just, but I don't want to because World War II sucked. It was, you know, really shitty times, but um. When he went to war, she moved back to Van Nuys, where she was basically from the area. While she was there, a photographer named David Conover noticed her. He just saw her and said, hey, you're pretty. Let's take some pictures. This led to her signing a contract with 20th Century Fox and a uh, a modeling agency named Blue Book. Coincidence, I think not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but... One of the one of the stipulations was they wanted her to be unmarried, so she said, peace out, dude, who's over there fighting for our freedom, you know, in the third world or wherever the hell. Third world, wait, is that offensive nowadays? I should edit that out. Apologies to anybody if that offended I I don't even know nowadays. That's, you know, whatever. So she was well, over there. Well, there's no doubt it was a different world. That's for sure. Yeah. So she was over there in the South Pacific, or her husband was over there. She gets this offer and she's like, all right, peace out, dude. So that suggests to me that she was um, sort of using this guy more as a way out of her bad situation at the orphanage than... Mm. More so than like she was actually interested in him as, you know, like a husband and wanted to make a family with him or something. And um, like, it's easy for us to judge her and say, hey, that's a really shitty thing to do. But on the other hand, when you're brought up under such a shitty environment, you're taught different lessons and your worldview is completely different. And her currency, she was taught from a young age that her currency was sexuality and that she could use that to get what she wanted she was taught from an unreasonably young age that that's Mm -hmm. how she could maneuver in this world. So um, even though, you know, as you look at her story and infidelity and stuff like that would be easy to judge her. For me, it's like maybe take a step back and understand that her life was different than a lot of us. So maybe not, let's not be so quick to judge her decisions. And we don't know what her life was like. We don't know what her husband and marriage were like. Maybe it wasn't as good as you might think. You know, maybe her husband mm-hmm. was not a good husband. Maybe he stepped out a bit himself. Maybe he didn't. Well, who we, knows? We don't know. But I say, we well, let's just give her the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, she had a shitty platform to begin with. And her perspective, like you alluded to, uh, was very different from most people's. not a normal perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously through the abuse that she had received when she was younger, you know, Uh, that obviously came into uh, account there. She had been used when she was younger. So, you know what I mean? I I, I don't blame her necessarily for doing what she did. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with it necessarily, but I, I I think I kind of understand. I I can, I can be, you know, uh, understanding of it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. So that was, that was sort of in a nutshell her, I mean, there's been entire books written about her life. So we're, we're, I'm trying to like, I I had to like pare down like the stuff about her career as interesting as it is to focus on more of the conspiracy stuff. Otherwise we would be doing multiple episodes because she had quite the life. I mean, even though she died very young, she had lots of adventures and it just, you know, very exciting life. But let's, so after that, she, you know, after she was discovered, she went on to have a wildly successful career but let's skip that and get to the end. She w she died, you know, like I said, uh, late, you know, at the age of 36. Um, but at the end of her career, she, so she went, she went to parties and she had, I think three husbands total. And she, you know, as you would expect one of these celebrity lifestyles, even though she was married, she had a lot of flings throughout the years, you know, and she was the sex symbol and she had a certain reputation and it's hard to establish exactly what her activities were as far as who she was with. And I didn't look into that too much, except for one specific case, because it's not really all that pertinent, but, um, yeah. she partied a lot and she got addicted to, uh, apparently barbiturates, amphetamines, and alcohol. And she had a lot of trouble sleeping. She had on and off depression. She had problems with self-esteem, which... I, it's i find that hard to believe literally every man in america <laughs> thought she was the hottest thing they'd ever seen and but she mm-hmm. had self-esteem self-esteem problems but that's you know mental uh mental illness is not rational you know you could be no. you could be the smartest person on the planet and if you have a mental illness you could think that you're as dumb as a rock it's not rational You know, just as like depression is not rational. None of this stuff is rational, but she suffered from this stuff. And I think a lot of it may have been tied to these drugs, barbiturates and amphetamines and alcohol are fucking nasty drugs. They are nasty. Mm, Yeah. They will fuck up your- Not a good combination there either. That's 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 a bad combination. They will fuck with your brain chemistry. And on top of that, they will- make it hard to sleep. And all three of them in particular can mess up your sleep a lot. And when you're not getting good sleep, that can also mess up your brain to, a you know, like it was just a bad combination and she was in a very bad place. So she was by the end of her career, um, she was on a lot of drugs and had difficulty filming movies. Like she had trouble remembering lines or like, you know, when they're ready to film in the morning, she would be passed out because of the drugs and they would have to put her makeup on while she was still unconscious stuff like that. And it was just, Mm -hmm. you know, a downward downward spiral where it's like, you know, I I wish that somebody could have done something for her, but at the end of the day, nobody can make her stop taking those drugs. She's got to make that decision for herself kind of a thing. But once she's, once you're, once a drug addict is caught in that spiral, it's very difficult to escape that spiral. So it's, you know, it's a, a yeah. really tragic thing, but anyway, so she was having a lot of trouble at the end there. And her third husband, um, Arthur Miller and her had been on the rocks for a while. There'd been like infidelity and stuff. And, uh, they were essentially when she was filming the last movie she did, they were essentially divorced before they actually got divorced. And he was actually, uh, Arthur Miller is actually the writer for that movie. And they, they got divorced in January, 1961. And her life was basically a complete mess at that point. She had health problems and she had like, um, endometriosis, endometriosis, endometri, endometri, I think is what it's called where. What the hell is that? I think it's where <laughs> like cells from your uterus will attach to your colon and start growing. And it's like incredibly painful. Really? And, um, there like we have treatments for it nowadays, which uh which can be simple. For example, birth control is one of the things that can treat this nowadays, but back then they probably didn't have this, and it could be like excruciating. So she was possibly in pain a lot of the time, which might have contributed to her, you know, her her drug addiction. But yeah, it's uh like you can treat it with like um birth control, so that can help mitigate the symptoms, which Um, You know, by the way, all these conservative companies who want to prescribe, want to get involved with not prescribing uh, birth control. It's like there are uses for that besides just, uh, well, you know, that's another show. Maybe (laughs) let's not get involved in political (laughs) stuff. Sorry. Um, But anyways, so they got divorced in 1961. She had health problems. She was hospitalized for depression for a month at at some point. Um, She had to go into rehab for a week during filming one of her movies. And uh, she, she moved from New York back to California and bought a house there. And, uh, you know, very shortly thereafter in 1942 on August 4th, she passed away in her home in Los Angeles. Now that's, that's like the short, short, short version. Let's talk a mm-hmm. little bit about her last day alive because there, there's a timeline that we know about. All right. So in the morning she met with photographer Lawrence Schiller to discuss publishing new f- nude photos from the set of Something's Got to Give. He wanted to publish them in Playboy. So as part of that movie, they did a publicity stunt where she was like swimming naked in a pool and stuff. And you can Google these. These are I think these are the only nude photos that we have of Marilyn Monroe and thank goodness we have them because, you know, <laughs> she's easy on the eyes. Um, Oh, sure. But anyways, (laughs) so she met with him in the morning and um, later on in the day or throughout the day, she received a massage from her personal massage therapist. She talked with some friends on the phone. She signed for a couple of deliveries. Her housekeeper, Eunice Murray was present at the house from the morning. Uh, Her publicist, Patricia Newcomb had stayed overnight and was there from the very morning. And apparently they had some argument about something or other because Marilyn hadn't slept well that night. Maybe she was trying to get her to take it easy that day or something. I don't know. I couldn't mm-hmm. find any more details on that particular bit. And then in the, in the afternoon or evening at 4:30, her psychiatrist, Ralph Greenson came over for a therapy session. And at this point, He asked for publicist Newcomb to leave because, you know, therapy sessions are private and you want, you know, the doctor wants the patient to have that, you know, be able to comfort, have the comfort to have, you know. privacy. Yeah, exactly. Talk about stuff without other people hearing it, basically. So he left at about 7 p.m. So that was a nice long therapy session. And he asked the housekeeper, Murray, who was still there, to stay overnight And this suggests that he was a little worried about her, but not worried enough to have somebody watch over her specifically. But he was probably just a little nervous about her in general to ask somebody to stay over and watch, watch over her sometime around seven o'clock, Marilyn got a call from Joe DiMaggio Jr. Her second husband was Joe DiMaggio and she stayed in, apparently she stayed in touch with him after they got divorced And she was also friends or on good terms with her son. And they talked regularly. So Joe DiMaggio Jr. Called and he later said that there was nothing unusual. She seemed her normal self. She went to bed (coughs) at around 8 PM. Apparently at around 8 PM, the actor named Peter Lawford called her and Lawford had connections with like the Kennedy family and that kind of stuff. We'll get into that a little bit later. And he wanted her to come to a party He said that she sounded like she was under the influence of drugs. She said to him, say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to the president, and say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy. And then she drifted off and apparently went to sleep. Lawford tried to reach her again, but he couldn't. So he called his agent, Milton Evans. Evans tried to get a hold of Greenson, but couldn't. So he called Marilyn's lawyer, Milton Rudden. Redden called Marilyn's house and was told by Murray that she was fine. Uh, So this is kind of a strange thing because at this point, you know, Marilyn's asleep in her room. So I don't think that the housekeeper actually checked on her, but I'm guessing that she had just heard Marilyn on the phone recently, perhaps, or Mm -hmm. she had just gone to bed. Maybe she heard some activity from within the room. Maybe the lights were still on in the room. So she just assumed that Marilyn was okay at this time. So at at uh, at 3:30 a.m. the next thing we know is that the housekeeper Murray woke up and felt that something was wrong. She saw light from under Marilyn's door and found the door locked. She called Greenson, the psychiatrist, who advised her to look through a window. She did so and saw that Marilyn was lying face down, covered in a sheet and holding a telephone receiver in her hand. And later, later it comes out that she was actually, it's often pointed out that she was naked under the sheets, but I'm not sure if that's like super relevant, whether or not she was naked because we don't have any witness testimony that I was aware of, of, you know, somebody finding somebody else in the room or whatever. Maybe she just slept in the nude and maybe she had silk sheets. It's very comfortable. Why not? You know, who knows? But mm-hmm. anyways, um, they, the, you know, the Greenson came over and he broke the window and, When he got into the room, he discovered that uh, Marilyn Monroe was dead. He called the doctor uh, Hyman Elberg, who was her personal physician, who arrived at about 3.50 a.m. The doctor officially confirmed that she was dead. And then it says that they notified the police at 4.25 in the morning. And this is one thing where, like, you could say, that's a little weird. Why did they wait until 4.25 to notify the doctor but again it could there are any number of reasons for that you know when they find something like this it, there could be a state of confusion maybe they tried yeah. to resuscitate her i don't know there's any number of reasons for that there was an autopsy and an inquest the auto- autopsy was performed that day and according to the autopsy they determined based on rigor mortis that she had died between 8:30 and 10:30 p.m. So that's why, even though she was found on the 5th, if you look it up, you know, anywhere you look up, they'll say that she died on the 4th because that's what the autopsy determined. Toxicology indicated that she had an epic butt ton of barbiturates in her system, several times the lethal dose. They found empty pill bottles in her room next to her bed, and there were no signs of wounds or bruises on her body. Now, because of these facts, it was ruled a probable suicide because they didn't find any they didn't find any evidence of foul play, the door was locked, there was no nobody else in the room. Um now this sounds like the beginning of like a Sherlock Holmes story, you know, <laughs> the the good old dead person inside of a locked room. But no for real this time, they didn't find any evidence of any foul play whatsoever and it was ruled a a suicide basically. Now as would ha- as you would imagine, when she died, it was pretty much a shock to the nation. She was just so phenomenally, just popular that you yeah. know it took everybody by like nobody expected this because they're you know you got like the public image, and the private mm-hmm. image you know the private life, and well and also back in those
0: days like these kind of things like mental health issues and like uh, addictions and such, they were kept much more hush hush. You know, people didn't like talk about it so much back then. You know, it was so I would have to assume that maybe you know people around her were aware of her addictions and her her mental health problems, but at, by and large, the majority of the world didn't. Though they weren't aware of that, so it was a it was a huge shock. It was a it was a big deal when it happened for sure because p- most people just didn't see it coming. They they weren't aware. You know. Yeah,
1: and I read in a couple places that the suicide rates went up for a couple months after her death, and it reminded me of. Uh, in the '90s, when I was in high school, and uh, I'm, I'm not that old, guys. I swear, no. But in the '90s, when I was in high school, when Kurt Cobain committed suicide, quote unquote. Oh, yeah, we have an episode about that. Uh, you know, go listen to it if you're interested. Spoiler alert: he didn't commit suicide. But anyways, I yeah yeah. I remember that. Like I was <laughs> I was not a huge fan of Nirvana at that time. I mean, I was aware of them, but there it it had an impact on a lot of people who are fans and like, I don't think it's like, it's weird because people think like, well, you don't know this person personally, but it's like when you're, when you're a young person and this is like a big part of your world is this, you know, this musician who speaks to you, you know, sort of like Mm -hmm. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe spoke to a lot of people, I'm guessing, but it just sort of changes your worldview a little bit when they're gone all of a sudden. It's almost like you're losing somebody you know, even though you're not. It's just a celebrity, but I kind of get it. You know, I kind of get why this would have such a yeah. big impact on people, but... Well,
0: especially with music. You know, music yeah. speaks to so very many different people, and Nirvana was huge when when he died. They were huge, you know, and yeah. there's a lot of people that absolutely love that band. I, I've always been a big fan of Nirvana, you know, um, I was pretty young when that happened, but I remember when it happened, you know, and you're like, what? We, we it, it was also like, uh, like, like when Bradley Noel died from Sublime also, you know, like, you're yeah, like, what? Like, And that's av- actually, that's kind of like a, that's a very sad story too. Cause he died before they were even right as they were starting to get big, you know? Yeah. yeah and and they, that's, it got ah. even bigger after he died, which sucks, but that's a little tangent off to the side that, you know.
1: And he, he had like a family he left behind. Like, I don't know that that's just like sad, you know, and that was, that was also related to drugs, you know, and it's just, yeah, just really unfortunate. Like a really super talented guy.
0: Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't anywhere near as a, it wasn't a suspicious situation. That was obviously what, you know, everybody knew what happened. He OD'd.
1: Also not nearly as, not nearly as famous as, uh. Is Marilyn Monroe or Kurt Cobain? But you know, no, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, in Orange County, probably he was super famous. But or or also like when like
0: when David Carradine died of a erotic asphyxiation, that was a big shock. (laughs) Yeah,
1: nobody saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Sinner. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, man, if you got if you got to you know check out, you might as well go out in style, right? Yeah, I guess there there's worse ways. There's yeah. definitely worse ways, I, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. No, you know what? Never mind. Let's not go on that tangent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <All right>. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so there was uh, the inquest, um, you know, that investigated, the original one found that it was probable suicide. And over the years, there were a great many number of conspiracy theories. So again, in 1982, The LA County District Attorney John Vanderkamp opened a threshold investigation that lasted three months. And they looked into it again because it was a popular thing and a lot of people were clamoring over it. You know, books had been published and stuff. And Mm -hmm. again, they found that there was no evidence whatsoever to support any of these conspiracy theories. And they upheld the original conclusion that it was a probable, uh, you know, probable suicide. So yeah. let's,
0: that's like or the, maybe, maybe that's because it was just so very well covered up.
1: Right. Or maybe, you know, three months investigation to look over some old paperwork. Maybe it just to, yeah. took three months for the, uh, you know, for the CIA to come in and break some thumbs or to pay people off or whatever, you know, that's, that's possible as well. You know, you never know with this kind of stuff, anything's possible, Yeah. but yeah, that's, yeah. that's the basic, like the basic story of her sort of death in a nutshell now let's talk about some conspiracy theories i'm sure you've have you heard any of these conspiracy 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 theories agent eta i have yeah um uh, from what i understand the most popular
0: one has to do with robert kennedy yes am i right and and there's a couple different theories of why you know uh she may have possibly been you know murdered or what have you uh because of her relationship uh to the Robert Kennedy and the Kennedy family. And there's a couple of wild ones, you know. I mean, one of the short the short ones that is that uh she knew about UFOs. Robert Kennedy had told her some some, you know, secret information and uh that's why she ended up getting, you know, disappear or not disappear but murdered, you know, because uh she knew about the aliens. Yeah. And like uh, that that one's a very short one. I I don't believe that one at all to be quite honest, but I I, you know, I mean, this is, this well, is the alien conspiracy podcast, so we got to mention it. You yeah. Know?
1: I mean that, yeah, that is one of the more prominent ones being discussed. Now, I, just as an aside, like go look up a picture of, she was rumored to have had affairs with both Robert Kennedy and JFK, the, you know, the president uh-huh. go look up pictures of those dudes. They were apparently very popular with the ladies. I look at just their pictures and I'm like, how? <laughs> What am I doing wrong? Well, JFK, how
0: JFK <laughs> was was legendary for, for his uh, affairs and stuff, you know. And that's another thing, like you know, like I had said earlier, back but, in those days, they're, they, they they're kept all, that kind of stuff very hush hush. They're you know? all like,
1: cross eyed and goofy looking, dude. Like I look, <laughs> I mean, like there's guys who are popular with the ladies. I'm like, all right, I can see that. But you look at the Kennedys, I'm like how like, they don't well shit maybe there are maybe there are a bunch of tripods dude uh yeah maybe that or maybe they <laughs> hey maybe they just had really good pickup lines you know what i mean like i don't know dude but yeah. apparently they were very popular and i did a little well, they were very
0: powerful and influential that yeah. whole family you know well, that's
1: true that's for dang sure yeah and very wealthy too so I, I looked into it a little bit and it's hard to find information because like here's the thing like the only people who are going to know who they're sleeping with are going to be the people who are very close to them, friends and family. And that stuff is generally kept on the lowdown, as AG and ETA said. Like, I'm not going to go on Twitter and say, hey, my friend such and such just slept with such and such. Like, nobody really does that. It's like if somebody is sleeping with somebody, especially if there's infidelity involved, most people mm-hmm. tend to keep that on the DL, you know, like that's. Yeah. It, it's uh, not so much nowadays, but back I'd in de- those days for sure. It depends. But yeah, especially back in those days, it was considered a private matter, you know. But rumors abound. And even back then, a lot of people believed that Marilyn Monroe had slept with both brothers and her happy birthday, Mr. President deal that was not that long it's before she died.
0: Yeah. That and did.
1: I'll stop. Never mind. That did not <laughs> help matters at all. Because when she did that, I mean, come on, you know what I mean? Come on. That's yeah. <laughs> back, back in that day, like things were a little different back then. But when she did something like that, everybody believed that they were, they were getting it on at that point. You know, that was, uh-huh. that was very scandalous back in the day, like incredibly scandalous. So people believed back then. And I did find some witnesses who said that, yeah, she was at a party, you know, in Palm Springs at Bing Crosby's house. And they, you know, her and the president slept together once and people said that they were both very interested in each other for a long time. They just never had the chance to meet up because they were both very busy with their different pursuits. And there are some anecdotes that she slept with, uh, with Robert Kennedy at some point. Um, I think that that's believable that she did have a fling yeah. with one or both of them because that was just the lifestyle that she led and that was the lifestyle that they led that they they just partied a lot and they had a lot of flings but it's hard to substantiate specific incidents and it certainly does not seem like they had a full blown affair you know especially not with JFK yeah. because that's not what he tended to do like he would bang like three different chicks in a day sometimes. Like he did not have affairs and it appears that his marriage was just one of convenience for like political reasons. It didn't seem to be a real marriage even, you know? So Mm -hmm. the idea that they had like an affair and that's why that's, that's the foremost conspiracy theory is that she had an affair with one or the other or both Kennedy's. And for various reasons, they, they murdered her to keep it under wraps. But it's like, dude, JFK was like banging everybody and everybody knew it. It was not like a big secret, you know, and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure Robert Kennedy had a lower profile, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was doing the same thing. You know, one of the things that kind of strikes
0: me about that too, and, and who knows like what their relationship was really like. But, but Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, that was a beautiful woman. Why yeah. would you want to cheat on her? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like I said, maybe maybe their, their you know, relationship was just, you know, one of convenience, like you said, and, and they really didn't get along after a while, what have you. But that's a beautiful woman. I wouldn't have cheated on her. I, I mean, as long as I got along with her, obviously, you know, you'd have to get along to yeah. get along. But yeah, it's a, uh, I, I, that's one of those things that always kind of struck me. as like, whoa, dude, you're. That's I don't know why you'd do that, yeah. but who knows? Maybe uh, yeah, who knows? Why, who knows what the real situation
1: is? You why know? Are you stepping? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it it it's hard. Again, it's it's hard to find solid information on this, but it does appear that his marriage with Jackie was somewhat arranged. So, I mean, they yeah. might not have been intimate at all, you know, or very frequently. It, I mean, yeah, who, maybe they never loved each other. Or, yeah,
0: you know, it was just. Yeah, convenience, yeah. like you
1: said. I mean, I I found one anecdote that said that um, that uh, Kennedy's parents paid her like a million dollars to go in on the marriage. Like, I don't know if that's true. It'd be very difficult to prove that sort of thing. I couldn't find any like hard records on it or anything. But, you know, if yeah. something well, like wouldn't. that happened where, where she was given an opportunity like that to, uh, you know— to basically for upward mobility. And she say, well, it'll be a marriage of convenience basically. And, you know, neither one really took the marriage seriously and they both understood it was just sort of like a political arrangement and it benefited both of them for various reasons. Mm -hmm. I think that's a real possibility, but I mean, she was, she was definitely aware of his infidelity because everybody was, (laughs) you know, it was was not a secret, even at the time it was not a big secret, you know? Yeah. But everybody knew it's like, If everybody was aware of it, the infidelity, it seems strange to me that they would choose Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Just this one person that he slept with. We got to kill her because she'll spill the beans on our, on our affair. It's like, well, (laughs) the beans have been spilled. There's no beans to spill. Yeah. There's no. And when she did her happy birthday, Mr. President, that was kind of spilling the beans very publicly anyways, whether or not She had actually slept with him at that point. Everybody would have assumed that they did. And let's not worry about the private life. Let's just look like, look at that move. Like that was a fucking genius publicity move on her part. If you think about it, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like she shows up at a guest at his birthday party, which happens presidents get celebrities at their birthday parties all the time. And then she pulls this stunt. And then that was like national, probably international news. I don't know if that was her idea. I don't know whose idea that was, but fucking genius, dude. Like, come (laughs) on, dude. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But, but yeah, so there, there have been several conspiracies over the years, but it appears that most of them have come from basically from people trying to sell books. So the first one, was probably uh, by Frank Capell in 1964. He published a pamphlet called The Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe. And he said that her death was part of a communist conspiracy. Because at this time, you know, communism was in full, full bloom and everybody was paranoid about their neighbors being communists, all, all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So he wrote a whole thing about it. He was a very very anti-communist type dude. And he apparently hated the Kennedys. So he claimed that she had an affair with Robert Kennedy and was threatening to cause a scandal. And Kennedy ordered the assassination to prevent this from happening. Now, anybody familiar with history will know that the Kennedys had no shortage of scandals, but that's what this particular book or pamphlet was about. I think this one was, uh, you know, described as a pamphlet. Um, He accused other people close to Maryland, such as her then husband being of being communists. And uh, that was basically the gist of it. And there's not really a whole lot to it. And it appears to be mostly made up. His, his source of information was a columnist named Walter Winchell who had actually gotten his information from Capel to begin with. So he's basically just quoting himself when he quoted Walter Winchell, (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of circular thing. Well, this this guy wrote about it in this column. So it must be true, even though I'm the one who actually gave him the information to write that column kind of a thing. Um, he was also Capel was also friends with an LAPD sergeant named Jack Clemens who helped him write the story apparently. And Clemens was the first officer on scene the day of Marilyn's death. Now that's where it gets kind of weird, right? Mm -hmm. Now with this, that's the thing with a lot of these conspiracy theories is There appears to be a grain of truth in a lot of these and a lot of stuff that kind of makes you think, well, maybe there is something to this. So let's play devil's advocate here and say, what if Clemens, the first person on scene showed up and found some sort of shenanigans and then somebody else, like, let's say the CIA shows up and says, all right, well, if you say anything about this we will kill somebody you know your wife or your kids or what we're going to murder somebody or, that, that you won't or want you yeah well no they wouldn't murder him they wouldn't threaten that because that would be less effective than threatening somebody he cares about in my opinion but maybe him yeah maybe him but so he claimed things later on that he didn't put in the original port like that the housekeeper was washing the sheets when he got there and stuff like that but it's it kind of makes you stop and think Well, maybe he was too afraid to claim these things, you know, originally and later on, maybe he came out and said these things because maybe he felt guilty or maybe he wanted the truth to come out. I mean, just to play devil's advocate on that, but Mm -hmm. maybe he was making, we, we just don't know. Was he making this stuff up for publicity to make a name for himself to sell books? Was he promised a percentage of sales of the book? Or was he really coming out because his, you know, he needed a, a clean conscience? We we just yeah. don't know. The only person that could tell you that would be Clemens, unfortunately, and you know yeah. he's he's probably I'd have to look it up, but he's probably no longer with us, unfortunately. But uh, so Clemens apparently also hated communists and the Kennedys. <laughs> At some point, Clemens and Capel sent letters to the FBI about the Kennedys. Uh, alleging affairs and, you know, stuff about Marilyn Monroe and that kind of stuff that sort of supported the pamphlet or book that they had written. And, uh, you know, maybe it could have, maybe it was all just part of a ruse to gain publicity for what they were, the narrative they were trying to push. And they were trying to basically make a bunch of money selling this stuff. Uh, That was Mm -hmm. probably the first one. There was a bunch of other stuff in the sixties you know, discussing her death And it was probably something that was definitely like in the the zeitgeist of the time that people were talking about as often is when celebrities die. There's often talk about it being foul play or things being covered up. That's a very common narrative that we hear quite often when celebrities pass away, particularly when they pass away under, you know, unusual circumstances or at a very young age, you know, and she died well before her time. Yeah, 36 is very young. Very young. You know, young. I
0: think the reason why a lot of times when somebody like this, so, some, somebody so famous passes away, people don't want to accept it. And I think maybe that might be one of the reasons why some of these conspiracy theories and stuff evolve or, or people, you know, come out with them or what have you. Maybe they're real, maybe they're not. But I think it, part of it is like somebody, you know, people that don't want to accept this scenario, they want to blame somebody, right? Yeah. So they find a way to try to blame somebody, you know, maybe. I mean, that's just that's just a what if, you know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily always it's not necessarily always true, but I think that might be part of the reason why at least uh, some of these theories are so popular, you know what I mean? Well, people just didn't they don't want to accept it. You know Yeah.
1: And that makes a lot of sense because if you're a hero, the you know if you look up to somebody, they're your hero. And you believe that they're, you know, basically perfect. And then it comes out that they had, you know, suicidal depression and they were abusing drugs for years. And it comes out, all this stuff, all this dirt comes out. You don't want to believe it. You would much rather believe that they were murdered. So that makes a lot of sense, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because this person was an icon to you and you, you don't want to believe that they were so faulty. You know, a lot of people have these opinions of uh, people that they idolize as being perfect, you know, like as being, you know, the the ideal individual, what have you. And they don't want to think of, about them as uh, somebody who has these kind of problems because they, it's their idol. You know, it's it's somebody somebody they put up on a pedestal and she was put up on quite the pedestal. You know what I mean? Like, like we had talked about before, her level of popularity at her height was uh, outrageous. I mean, it yeah. was, you know, it's she was extremely like there, there was no more popular female in her day than her yeah. you know like and, and like we had talked about that her movie sales and everything was extremely successful yeah you couldn't have gotten a whole lot more successful in, in those days you know yeah so One, yeah
1: she was definitely an icon an idol just actors in general how many actors can you name that were contemporaries of hers you know not that many not that many i mean clark gable yeah. i guess well i'm not a history I mean, buff i'm But I mean, like people, people who don't know, who haven't even seen her movies, couldn't name anybody she co-starred with probably still recognize the name, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, they probably, a lot of people probably wouldn't even be able to tell you one of the movies that she has been, unless you, you know, actually have watched them and stuff, you know, but they know who Miller, Miller Monroe was, you know, they, they knew that she was a a big icon in her day, a a very popular
1: movie star, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean. So that so in the uh, get, a huge mark, getting back to like some of the publications throughout the years, in the 70s, of course, there were even more publications. Some of them continued these conspiracy theories. So in 1973, Norman Mailer published Marilyn, on biography, and in this one, he said that she had an affair with Robert Kennedy again, and that she was killed by the FBI or CIA to put pressure on the Kennedys, so somehow to like sort of you know manipulate them or whatever. Uh, but later on, mm. he came forward and admitted that he had basically made everything up to sell books. In 1975, Anthony Scudato, who was a journalist, published an article, and he said that, uh, well, he, ex- he published an article, and then he expanded that into a book. It was called Who Killed Marilyn Monroe? And he used the pen name Tony Siacha, S-C-I, or no, S-C-I-A-C-C-A, Tony's Skiacha. I don't know. Skiat I'm not sure how you'd pronounce that, but eh, whichever comes yeah, first, whichever, but I mean, come on. If you're <laughs> using a pen name, if you're a journalist and you're using a pen name, I don't know. That's a little sus, but anyways, he claimed that Marilyn kept a diary in which she wrote sensitive political information that she had gotten from the Kennedys and that her house had been wiretapped by Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> and uh, the, you know, these mm. over the years, these things sort of build on each other. So, in the 80s, we get, of course, more books and things being written. And this time around, she was murdered by the mob boss, Sam Giancana, or maybe Jimmy Hoffa, you know, or both. Um, Then there was a new claim that her body was badly bruised and that this had been covered up. And this came from a witness named Lionel Grandison, who had actually worked at the coroner's office at the time of Marilyn's death. But uh well he also said that he saw her secret red diary at the morgue, but uh, he's not really that great of a witness. Some question his reputation because he was well, apparently and also fired for stealing from corpses. <laughs> oh
0: oh okay then one of those kind of guys. And also like why would her diary be there
1: at the right. coroner's office? Yeah she know? was naked. Like, that makes guys, I don't know. They found her naked. It makes Where, no sense. Yeah. But I mean I I just thought about that like dude you're stealing from dead people and you got caught. That's like the worst criminal ever. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. you get, you got, I don't know. How, how could you possibly get caught? But anyways, <laughs> there's a, another book written by Anthony Summers called goddess, the secret lives of Marilyn Monroe from 1985. And in this book, Marilyn Monroe had affairs with both Robert and John Kennedy and uh, threatened to cause a scene that would have negative political ramifications. So Robert Kennedy and Peter Lawford, enabled her addictions to prevent her from going public. So they encouraged her to take drugs. She accidentally mm-hmm. overdosed and died in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy wanted to leave bef- LA before this went public to avoid being involved. So he Lawford and the Kennedys and J Edgar, Edgar Hoover in this version staged her death at her home. Um, now this book Summers interviewed apparently over 650 people close to Maryland to build his case. But a lot of these interviews, uh, hmm. I think that number is probably a little inflated.
0: That sounds, that sounds like a, a kind of a, a ridiculous number. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Did she really have that many people that were close to her? You yeah. Know? I mean, maybe, yeah. but no. maybe, maybe that many people <laughs> who had met her personally, maybe at but, one point or another, but...
1: A, yeah. a lot of these interviews were second, third, and fourth hand stories like this person told this person told this person told me that they saw uh-huh. Marilyn Monroe clutching this or doing that or whatever. So these interviews are uh, highly, highly suspect, you know, not really yeah. all that reliable, but the, so that's like the short, short version of, you know, the leading up until the nineties when there was a 1993 biography published by. Donald Spoto once again takes the accidental suicide slash stage suicide conspiracy angle. Uh, This time around, her doctors were working together to stop her drug abuse and agreed to work together when prescribing medications. So to, you know, hopefully get her off the barbiturates and uh, anybody, by the way, I don't think we mentioned barbiturates were sort of like the predecessor to the modern day benzodiazepines they were often prescribed for like sleep disorders or um for anxiety and stuff like that but they were uh they had a lot of problems they had a lot of nasty side effects and a lot of people uh, a lot of people got addicted to them and you know ended up dying or uh they, often it wasn't the drug didn't necessarily kill people but it seemed to be a correlation with severe depression that would end in suicide quite often um And I, I noticed this one time because, uh, my, my vet is a strange story, a little side tangent, but my, my dog has seizures and, uh, my dog, my vet or the dog's vet prescribed a medication to my dog. I forget what exactly what it's called, but I looked it up and it's basically, you know, an, an old school, like barbiturate type drug. And, um, I looked, you know, I noticed this because I was watching a B movie on, um, uh, what what is that? A mystery science theater, and I was like, oh yeah, it was like it was like a movie about piranhas or something. And I was like, dude, that lady looks exactly like Marilyn Hemingway, but it's not Marilyn Hemingway. It looks exactly like her though. Like, so I looked up the movie, and it was her sister. And I'd never heard of her sister before, but it turns hmm. out she had been addicted to this drug and committed suicide at a very young age. It's the same drug that my dog takes for seizures. <laughs> I was like wow that's but you know obviously my dog my dog's not getting hopped up on goofballs it's a very small dose just to keep him safe (laughs) but yeah but um you know it's a little side tangent there but like these drugs are nasty and benzos are bad but barbiturates are worse so uh, uh, i forget what it's called anyway it doesn't matter what what the drug was called but anyways little side thing but um, so anyways, the, in this particular conspiracy, the doctors were trying to get her to stop taking the drugs, so they agreed to work together when prescribing them. So she somehow pers- persuaded one of the doctors to prescribe her some of the drug, in this case, nemb- nembutal, N-E-M-B-U-T-A-L A-L, A-L, Uh nembutal. <laughs> <laughs> and she tricked the one doctor, the other doctor didn't notice this, and prescribed her a chloral hydrate enema. And the interaction between the two killed her. Uh-huh. The doctors didn't want to go to jail. So they staged the suicide. And he points out in this book, he points out also certain discrepancies in the witness statements, such as Arthur Jacob, who is apparently one of her publicists, his wife claimed that he had been notified of her death at 10:30 PM. And there are a couple of other inconsistencies like this pointed out in the book. But, um, Also, it appears, so this is where you get, like, if you Google this, you'll find on certain places, people will say that, yeah, Marilyn Monroe was totally into enemas and was like totally crazy into enemas and stuff. But that appears to be from this book. And it actually seems like Donald Spotto was the one who was super into enemas and like, (laughs) uh, you know, sadomasochism and weird stuff like that. And he put that stuff into the book based on zero evidence, it almost seems like a fantasy of his that Marilyn Monroe was having enemas. And it's like, uh, you can try, try, try Googling it, but it's really hard to find any actual evidence that Marilyn Monroe was a proponent of enemas or that she had them regularly or anything like that. It appears to be invented by this author, (laughs) you know, Uh But it's, it's one of those weird things where if somebody says it sort of like, you know, if you guys have heard the Richard Gere gerbil thing, you know, (laughs) it's, it's it's one of those things where good luck researching where that one comes from, you know, and people who choose to believe it do and people who don't don't, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But, uh, I get the impression that was made up by somebody who just didn't
0: like him, you know? Yeah, it was some for, for whatever reason, that was kind of a weird thing. I remember hearing that when I was a kid, hearing that joke, Yeah, I want to say it was a stand up comedian or something like that, that I heard it from first, but for whatever reason, that was one of those things that like, I I mean, even back in those days, it didn't, it wasn't going viral, but it's the kind of the same thing. It it garnered a lot of popularity and a lot of people chose to believe it. It seems like too, you know? Yeah. I don't know why they pick Richard gear out of all people, but, but I mean, who knows what happened? You know, like,
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's somebody that just didn't like the guy. Yeah. It was, <laughs> this, I remember hearing the story in middle school and somebody had said that Richard gear liked to feed gerbils. You know, they, he was de- was real, real elaborate story. He had them declawed, fed them cocaine and stuffed them up his butt for sexual reasons. Yeah. Like, he liked to, he liked to butt chug ger- gerbils. <laughs> I was like, I remember as, as a child being very confused on this concept, like what? Like what? <laughs> Wait, what? Why? Well, what? Yeah, well, yeah. We, I don't, I don't understand that at all. I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Mommy, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But all right. So, um, John minor was an, was a prosecutor with the official investigation. And he claimed now this is, you know, this is later on. And, uh, he claimed that, um, the autopsy indicated that an enema rather than oral ingestion was, was, uh, due what was what caused the overdose. But again, if you look at the original autopsy, that's not supported, but he says that it is. And he continued into the two thousands claiming that her death was not a suicide. And he later published transcripts from an audio tape recording saying that, Uh, saying that he had, she had made these recordings shortly before her death. And in the recordings, supposedly she talks about her future plans, her sex life and her use of enemas. (laughs) Hmm. But um, it turns out that these, these tapes have never been found. And although he mentioned them in the 1982 investigation that I mentioned earlier, um, minor minor told them about the tapes, but He didn't mention anything about transcripts and he never turned the tapes over. Now, before he started talking about these transcripts, it turns out he had just had financial problems and declared bankruptcy and went around Mm. trying to sell these quote unquote transcripts to various publishers. So yeah, these transcripts are a little suspect, but they're often cited as proof that she was not suicidal because People will say, well, these transcripts proved that, you know, she just signed a new contract with, I think 20th Century Fox, which I think that's part's actually true. And she had future plans and that kind of thing. But that may all be true. Even if she did have transcripts talking about her future plans, that's not really how depression works. It can come and go. Somebody can be feeling fine all day and then, you know, When the lights turn down or whatever, they, they lay down to go to bed, it can just hit them all of a sudden, you know, and then they can just, they can just feel suicidal on the moment. And then that can just be overwhelming. And then that can be the end for them. That can be it. They got a bottle of pills handy next to their bed and that's it. They take those pills and that's it. Yeah. So. Well, and all, and also sometimes there is like accidental
0: suicide when it comes to uh, drug use, because. Uh, who knows like in, in the moment, how far her mind was gone, she might've forgot that she took as much as she did and,
1: and ended up killing her. You know, well, it's that's a possibility that has happened, you know, based on the toxicology and the empty pill bottle, the, the prescription was from like a day before that seems to be unlikely. It seems like she just took all the pills oh, okay. at once. And well, according to the toxicology, oh. li- like based on the evidence, they could tell that she took all of them at once because it it looks different than if she took them over time. So it does appear that she took all of them at once, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, anything's, anything's possible, but she had been taking these drugs for, uh, for years. So she would be very aware of what dosage was appropriate for her own body and what she was accustomed to. She wouldn't have, the toxicology said that it was many times a lethal dose so if it uh-huh. was just over a lethal dose, maybe it could have been accidental, but many times a lethal dose suggests that it was intentional, you know, Yeah. whether,
0: yeah. and also like these are, these are strong drugs we're talking about, but it's not like fentanyl, you know, like, like, like fentanyl nowadays, there's, there's plenty of accidental overdoses with that just because people don't understand like, like the, uh. The how potent it is, you know, and like it's one of those things where it doesn't, it doesn't take much, especially if you have pure fentanyl, like in powder form or something like that, even like it doesn't take much. It's hardly at all to
1: overdose on that stuff. It's strong. It's, you know, it's so strong that just a couple of grains is probably enough to make you overdose. It's, it's that potent. It's It's pure fentanyl. It's like really, really potent, incredibly potent stuff. Mm hmm. So yeah, so those are, I mean, those are like, that's just like a really short summary of some of the stuff that's been published over the years. But if you look at the conspiracy theories and then you look at what's been published and the evidence involved, like it kind of appears that it's really all just kind of made up. There doesn't really appear to be any evidence at all. There's a couple of grains of truth here. Like it does appear that it's possible that she did sleep with one or both of the Kennedys that, uh, that's appears to be but, completely plausible, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with her death though. You know? Yeah. Like,
0: you know,
1: yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't prove that they would have hired, you know, the CIA or, you know, J Edgar Hoover or Jimmy Hoffa, or <laughs> there's no evidence that any of these people were involved in anything. And you yeah. know, just as an example of something often cited as evidence, there's, you know, I was just Googling around looking at stuff and there's a picture that was taken by a photographer named Cecil Stockton or Stoughton, S-T-O-U-G, S-T-O-U-G-H-T-O-N, Stoughton, showing her with the, both Kennedys at JFK's 45th birthday celebration with, with, uh, Robert and John. And, um, it's, it's like when I first saw the picture, I didn't even think it was real because both Kennedy's are not facing the camera and Marilyn is on a side profile and her hair is covering some of her face and you can't even really tell whether or not it's her 100%, but I looked into it a little bit and it does appear that this is a genuine photograph, but anyways, so she's hanging out with him at a party wearing a very sexy looking dress and that's often cited as evidence that, oh, look, see, here's a picture with her, with them at a party. So she was having an affair, but it's like, nah, presidents have- That doesn't have,
0: prove anything.
1: Yeah, presidents yeah. have famous people at parties all the time. It's conceivable that she would have been hanging out with them for five minutes and then they would have gone somewhere else and taken a photo op with somebody else or whatever, right? Like, yeah. it it doesn't prove any sort of, like- I've myself have been w- with to parties where you could have taken a photograph with me and somebody else that I never saw again ever in my entire life. We just so mm-hmm. happened to be at the same party like it just, it doesn't prove anything but i mean that's yeah. that's pretty typical of a lot of evidence in this case is like there'll be a little grain of truth that people will extrapolate and they'll base on previous conspiracies and they'll use that to establish something that may or may not have actually happened and probably didn't actually happen because there's zero, unfortunately, zero evidence for most of the stuff that I came across in this case. And I, it's, this is actually kind of surprising because usually when I look into these cases, I'm like, ah, there's probably nothing to it. And I look into it and I'm like, wow, there's actually a ton of weird stuff going on here. But this is one of the very few cases I've looked into where I looked into it. and I was like, well, there's actually nothing going on here. It, it, it appears that she actually really did die of a drug overdose in her house, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's tragic and it's really sad and I wish it didn't happen, but I can't see any foul play. I mean, I looked pretty hard and I didn't see any evidence whatsoever of any sort of foul play. And, you know, I kind of wanted there to be foul play because, It makes for a more exciting episode, you know, to say that there was some kind of grand conspiracy, but unfortunately I didn't really find anything. I don't think there is anything. I think that she was just addicted to drugs and she succumbed to her addiction and these drugs affect your brain chemistry and they, they make people feel depressed. And a lot of people don't react well to that. And I think that's what happened. I think she was in a downward spiral and she was in this party lifestyle she was going on very little sleep for a number of years, taking drugs all the time, and it just, you know, it just ended up badly for her, you know? And we have the the last person that she allegedly talked to, she, she allegedly said, tell these people goodbye, you know, and goodbye to yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just... And why would you say that? You know, that's, that's yeah. a... Yeah.
0: Where you know i kind of landed on the same opinion to be honest like i just i haven't seen enough evidence to to steer me otherwise you know it, it does look like it, it was a probably a suicide you know and yeah i agree that that what led up to that is her erratic um you know uh schedule and stuff with sleep and and with her addictions and stuff and she had already had you know mental health issues uh from an early age also you know so that doesn't, uh, you know, that that doesn't uh, go well with with drug abuse, you know. And that makes for a very volatile uh, mindset at times. And yeah, I, I think I agree. It's one of those things where she was really, really down in the dumps that night, and that's probably even an understatement. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're going to commit suicide, you're not just down in the dumps. You want to end your life, and that's a that to me, it's like kind of like a, a, a kind of a hard thing to. It, like understand, I guess, you know, but like, I, I, we've all been through, uh, you know, our ups and downs throughout our life and stuff. And I understand that, you know, yeah, sometimes you get depressed, but man, like, like to have so much, like, that's one of the things that it's hard to believe, right? You know, like you're Maryland, you're Marilyn Monroe, you know, yeah. like, you have so much going for you, but you're going to commit suicide. And I think that's kind of one of the things, like I was talking about before, it, it made it so hard for people to accept and, it's probably why a lot of these conspiracies are as popular as they are. You know? Yeah.
1: She, dude, she was on top of the world. Like when when she was um, mm-hmm. she was fired from the last movie that she was supposed to be in. She was fired from that movie, and they they hired somebody to replace her. But like, I think it was like the director refused to even complete the movie. He's like, "No, if Marilyn's not in it, I'm not doing it." Like she was she yeah, was on top is the reason of the why world.
0: We're doing the movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. you cannot overstate just how successful she was, you know, and it, during her career, she did have a lot of ups and downs and she did have to battle the studios, you know, for contract stuff. And, you know, they didn't want to pay her and there, there's a lot to her career. Like there's a whole lot of interesting stories about her life that are not, that don't revolve around the tragedy of her death. But, you know, yeah. for this show, that this show is, that's what we talk about is that kind of stuff. And it's just... It's just sad, you know, this is just a sad case where it's like, I feel like she had so much more life to live and her story was cut short and I wish it hadn't been, you know, and I read, I just, I read a study once I I saw in the news or something. I read this article about how they did this study and they found that people who are suicidal, if they can get over that, there's like a short period where they will actually commit suicide and they found that if they can get past that short window then most people are able to recover and go on to live normal lives but there appears to Mm -hmm. be this short window where they reach rock bottom and some people don't make it through that window and um yeah i mean i don't want to get too cheesy but there's you know there's suicide hotlines and they're you know there, there is help for people out there. It's, you know, if, if you listening to this feel like you need help, there is lots of help out there. You know, you, you got suicide hotlines, you have resources, you have, you know, people you think don't care about you. You're wrong. They do. Don't be afraid to reach out mm-hmm. to friends and family, even people you haven't spoken with in years. Don't be afraid to look for that support because, you know, it's, this happens, you know, every day and people get their stories short, cut short all the time and it's just tragic and yeah. you know, and I, I hate to, you know, I don't like to do these episodes where it ends up being a bummer, but sometimes that's just how it goes. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta, gotta do is, what is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Sometimes you start off, wanting to do an episode and you think maybe there's something interesting here and it ends up just being kind of, kind of a sad story, you know, but that's, that's what this one was. So if you're out there, I don't have the number handy, but just Google it, man. There's there's online counseling. There are forums. There are forums where you can go and post, say, I'm not feeling good. And there are people who are willing, people, strangers, complete strangers who are willing to come out and talk to you and say, hey, it's all right. You know, I've been there. Yeah, because they've, you know? they've gone through
0: those experiences yeah. before and they made it through. And now they, they care about this. Uh, this is a very... Is a subject that is very important to a lot of people. You know, yeah. there there are plenty of people out there that would be more than willing to help you out with something like that, and they, they don't even know you. They're yeah. like you said, they're complete strangers, but they care. You know, and they genuinely care. So no matter. Know, so yeah, it's a it's 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 an important issue. You know.
1: Yeah. So no matter no matter how isolated and alone you may feel, it's it's a, a like I was saying earlier. You know, in the in the episode, it's a, a mental disorder and your current perception of reality is not how things really are. People, even complete strangers out there really do care about you, you know? So, uh, not to be too much of a bummer. I just wanted to throw that out there at the end of the episode. Just, you know, hopefully if just one person hears that and it, it, you know, gets them to think for a second, all right, maybe I'll just take a pause here. Maybe I will call this person I'm estranged from, or maybe I will reach for help or something, you know, and realize that mm-hmm. your current state of mind That's not what it's going to be forever. That's just your current state of mind. Get through it. You know, you can get through it. But all right. On that note, (laughs) I think it's about about time to wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like, you can really help the show by checking out the affiliate link in the description. This week, we've got uh, just Marilyn Monroe. Just search for Marilyn Monroe on Amazon. There's so much books, merchandise, Funko pop figures, movies, everything. There's just, she's such a cultural icon. What do you want? T-shirts, whatever. There's all kinds of stuff. So I'm just going to put a general Marilyn Monroe link and whatever you're looking for, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find there. So check that out. Your purchase helps support the show and doesn't cost you anything extra. Could we get a keep it strange agent ETA? Hell yeah. everybody. Thanks for listening and keep that shit strange.